our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome back to this week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Hudson Standish. And it is uh, should be an exciting time for all Texas fans out there because it is game week, uh, week one of the season, uh, this weekend against University of Louisiana at Monroe. Uh, I would say an easier test than the other Louisiana team they played last year to start the season. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little bit about the high school season that got underway last week. Uh, some recruiting scoop we picked up along the way. But before we do all of those things, Hudson, how's it going? Good, Mike. I'm done with my moving process as of a week ago. I know you're still in the middle of yours, but we're at a little bit of a hiatus. So that stress getting off of our plates just definitely has made it a little bit easier. And, hey, I, I think – you know, 30 seconds after we hit the record button, Texas volleyball, number one team in the nation, just finished uh, a top five win against a really good Minnesota squad that's number four. So I don't know. Things looking up. I'm excited for the ULM game. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about it, but the bulk of that preview and our season predictions will happen on Talking Texas, which will uh, probably be a Friday show. Yeah, this is, of course, the state of recruiting now moving to Thursdays during the high school season. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about high school football. You know, I would say even more during the course of the season, get down into the nitty gritty and do a little more, you know, Texas high school football nerd stuff like we did last week. So um, it's not going to be as extensive as it was last week every week, but I think we are going to get into kind of the bits and pieces of it. Absolutely, Mike. I think the best way to put it, too, is that, 
because the majority of the class is filled in the 23 cycle, we're kind of shifting from primarily a bunch of scoopy stuff or even, you know, just inconsequential stuff to some people like winter people visiting. Uh, you know, what is this weekend going to look like to, I don't know, actually getting to evaluate prospects live and getting to talk with them more in person. So, you know, it's kind of a different strokes for different folks type thing. Some people like the uh, some people like the in season action where others prefer, you know, official visit season and kind of getting all of that scoop. So I don't know. I, I'm excited that we're into the bulk of the season. Yeah, I think we should have, um, man, shout out to uh, the All-American Bowl for sending all of their press releases on who is getting an All-American Bowl jersey right now. So if you keep hearing that chime on my computer, I've gotten four emails about press releases uh, in that time. And there's the fifth. Um, Thanks. We appreciate you, Gus Ramos. Um, Okay. I think, uh, to me, getting into the season is the exciting part at this point because we've talked about it, but like recruiting has kind of been dead um, a little bit since the summer, since they kind of almost have filled up this class. And we know that a lot of it's going to play out during the fall to fill up the rest of the group. So I'm at least excited that we're going to get, you know, a little more uh, action, especially next week, man. I mean, next week when we come to you on this show, we'll be talking about what the visitor list for Alabama looks like. And we anticipate that to be an absolute banger. Um, before we kind of get into the meat of the show, um, let's kind of talk about what we got from a uh, scoop pers- perspective. Hudson, you saw a couple of guys last week. I was able to actually get out and see a couple of games last week as well. Um, what did you uh, pick up from your time on the road? Yeah, so Jalen Hale was kind of the interesting one because in addition to the Scooby stuff I got, when we were watching him, I've always been probably higher than most on Hale, which again, it feels a little silly because he is a consensus or, you know, a composite top 55 player in the nation, but he looked like he took his game to a ne- to the next step um, last Friday against a 6A McKinney Boyd team that is projected to make the playoffs. I mean, he showed everything from the contested catch ability that we kind of always knew he had to a lot of the yards after catch and, you know, playing through contact that I don't know that people had questions about, but seeing him look that fluid just was really encouraging. As far as the Scoopy stuff, he did mention something that wasn't, I, I believe I ended up breaking that he plans to take an official visit to AM four days before his uh, commitment date. So he's committing on September the 21st. Said that he's going to take an official visit to AM on 17th. Now, I circled back with a couple sources. I'm not 100% sold that he actually does make that trip. It does feel like Texas leads with Alabama really being the school that's battling back and AM's kind of in a third uh, overtaking Georgia, who was his uh, probably last place team in a top three. But I don't know. It's getting kind of interesting since uh, Jalen Hale's the recruit that we have circled as being the next to make a decision. Obviously, there are big time targets like Deuce Robinson or uh, Damon Wilson or JV and Tobiano, who you'll talk about a little bit later. But with Hale having a confirmed commitment date, that's kind of who my eyes are on right now. I noticed uh, your I think one of the first highlights you had shot from that game or posted from that game, and it was the run after the catch. And I thought it was uh, a pretty amazing play for a guy that, you know, you mentioned you've probably been higher. I've had, I've certainly had questions about Jalen Hale's long-term, you know, projection and, and how good he can be at the next level. 
Uh, I think, yeah, he came away with a pretty impressive performance there uh, for Longview to open up the season. I think if you also, we could certainly get into this later down the line, but uh, things setting up very well for the Lobos to make, I think, another state title run uh, this year. I mean, yeah, we might as well knock it out now. We're going to go through our three takeaways from week one. That was one of mine is that in a 5A Division one that does seem a little bit weaker than normal, especially with Denton Ryan and Alito's losses, Longview really should have probably beaten McKinney Boyd. Again, a 6A uh, projected playoff team by like 40 points. They gave away an extremely short field on a muffed punt, and they still, I mean, they still ended up winning 36 to 10 after taking the foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. So Longview looks legit, man. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I think, I believe that was my uh, state pick when we did last week. And I, uh, I believe you and I both uh, picked the Lobos, but I'll check right now since I have the sheet up, or the doc up. Feel good about that one moving forward. Um, you had Longview over Smithson Valley. I had Longview over Manville. And not to get too deep into it, but I think uh, with the, with what we saw from Manville versus and also uh, Smithson Valley losing Freddie Dubose for the year, I think we probably – fairly confident that we uh, may be wrong on both those other picks. But as long as Longview wins, it's it's fine. And and I was going to mention, too, that injuries played a big role in week one with Freddie DuBose being out for the year, Marquise Collins from College Station being out for the year. Obviously, we kind of hinted at Javon Thomas on the last show, but Javon Thomas for Sock being out, uh, you know, for at least the foreseeable future. And then – you know, uh, one of my region picks, Gregory Portland, who I had in an upset um, kind of winning region four over Liberty Hill, I believe in 5A D2 maybe, or D1, I can't remember exactly. But, you know, their quarterback, who's kind of the leader of that team, I believe breaks his leg in multiple places. So week one, a ton of unfortunate injuries. And now that I'm saying it too, I want to say I might have picked somebody different than Manville, but just didn't update the Google Doc, which is, you know, something I, I get you went Something. back and forth a lot on that one. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we'll get to it later, but I changed a pick um, after we recorded the podcast, but before any games were played, which, you know, I, I hate doing, but anyway. All right. Um, well, I was able to see JV and Toviano on Thursday of last week, talk to him. It's kind of the same as he's been saying. Um, he, he feels he's closing in on a decision. You know, Texas is one of the schools he's mentioning often alongside Texas A&M and Oregon. But I think this is a to me, it's a it's a real prove it to me uh, type of recruitment for sources I'm dealing with, because some sources you talk with about J.V. Toviano will tell you, I think Texas is in a better spot than people consider. I think that they're probably at this point the outright leader and that there is a lot going on to kind of smokescreen everybody and keep, you know, people from making predictions and things of that nature. But I do also think there's probably an element where a lot of the schools recruiting JV and Toviano feel that way um, and feel that they're actually, you know, it's like the, the one where it, it feels like the girl's telling, you know, you're her real boyfriend and all those other guys, they're just, you know, the fake boyfriend. So um, I don't know, man. I like, I, I've known Javian for a long time. He doesn't give a ton away. Um, I do feel Texas is in a position here, but they're going to have to earn it in the fall. They're going to really have to prove it on the field, I think. And I don't think this recruitment is done by any means. Um, 
you know, maybe something happens in uh, in the next couple of weeks, but he indicated more likely a timeline that, that would look like maybe the next couple of months. Yeah, and I also think, Mike, this is one where JV and Toviano being such a perceptive, intelligent guy kind of uh, works against us. It doesn't work against the schools per se, or, you know, maybe it does, but for us specifically, anything that we write or anything that a colleague writes or, you know, you know, crystal ball picks predictions, like those are closely monitored and he doesn't want anybody tipping his hand. So again, it's one of those ones, uh, like you're saying, where you can't just rely on, you know, two sources for this recruitment. You kind of have to, you, you got to talk to everybody. Yeah, um, I did not go to a game on Friday. You mentioned moving. Moving's been a nightmare. Just to kind of pull back the curtain. Uh, I told people I'm in the middle or I'm through part one of my move, and that is uh, we moved pretty much all weekend. Our movers got pushed back a day for reasons that were out of my control, which really kind of screwed the entire weekend up. Um, and uh, I am now at my parents' house for three weeks while our house gets finished uh, in the building process before we get to do part two of our move uh, and move into the house. So um, when I say I'm kind of in between, that's where I am. But I will tell you this, because our movers got pushed back a day, it did allow me to go to a Saturday game. And that Saturday game was South of Cliff and Duncanville. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we bring Guy Frazier on, uh, who was with me at the game. But um, I was able to talk to Duncanville's two 2024 stars that both have Texas offers, Colin Simmons and Kadavian Dotson. Both of those guys, I think, are, are high on Texas early on, but I don't think any of either of them are in a hurry. I think LSU is an attractive option for both of them as well. I think that you'll see schools like Texas A&M and Alabama become factors for at least a guy like Simmons. But at this point, I do think Texas was extremely early on both. I think that's a credit to Chris Gilbert. But I think a lot's going to depend on, you know, the way this season shakes out. They're not in a, in a stage where I think either is looking to decide soon. So they're going to get a look at these teams and what they look like this season going into things. For sure. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Oregon a pretty big player for both as well? Yeah, that's another one I'd mentioned. Canadian Dotson, I know, really talked to Oregon. In the end, it's hard to see those guys going far from home. Um, just just kind of guessing, playing my gut on it. But I do think, you know, Oregon's always attracted to those kids right off the bat. And um, I think if you talk to people who have worked at Oregon, they'll tell you that, you know, you spend a week in Oregon and you don't want to be there any longer. But uh, the kids love it. The kids sure are impressed by it. So, um, you know, we'll see kind of how those things shake out. Hudson, anything else you were able to pick up uh, week one? Um, so this wasn't as much week one, but I had a good conversation with uh, Micah Hudson today um, ahead of the 2024 September 1st contact date, which when you're listening to this, we'll probably have a ton of blitzed coverage um, as college coaches can officially reach out to 2024 recruits for the first time. The 2024s don't have to initiate it. And Mike is not totally sure where he's going to visit, but he's going to try to get down to a lot of schools. Seems like that Texas Alabama game is one of the ones that he's targeting. And I don't know, I, I'm feeling a little bit better about Texas's shot with Hudson. It's super early, but if you watch his tape, especially what he did week one against a top 10 Leander Rouse team, I mean, he's for me, probably the number one guy on the covet list for the 24 class right now. 
Yeah, and I think he had a, you know, like you said, a tremendous week one. Um, and I think that when you look at his skill set and all those sorts of things, he is a guy that everybody in the country is going to be asking about. I always love day one of the contact period because um, – or, or at least day four because I always get to put out one of my favorite cloud-chasing tweets about, you know, keeping your DMs open. Uh, and it just didn't do as well. Look at the numbers right now. Tim retweets 23 likes. Uh, I think we've run out of juice on that tweet. I, I do it every year uh, on this day, uh, you know, just to remind those players to keep your DMs open. And uh, just, I, I think we're running out of juice. I think I'm going to have to retire. So uh, that's unfortunate. Hudson, uh, you know, we will have a lot on the 24 guys. Uh, any guys we see this week, we'll be able to talk to them about what the schools were that reached out first and were able to speak with them first. Um, what about David Wilson? I see his name written down on our prep sheet here. Well, it was one of those things, Mike, where I just was looking at the guys on the board, kind of evaluating week one performances. And every time I watch Damon Wilson's film, it just kind of hits home how big of a need he is. I, I, it, if you would have asked me before the you know, cycle. Is there any more important player than Arch Manning? I wouldn't have thought that there was anybody close. I still don't, because of the subsequent recruiting effects that Arch Manning caused, I, you couldn't put anybody above him. But as far as on field goes, I mean, Damon Wilson is definitely in that tier. And I don't think anybody else is particularly close. Um, it does seem like because tech, uh, because he has a bye week, the date of the Alabama game, that he's probably going to be able to visit Texas for the Alabama game. And if they can crush that official visit, it would just, it would do a ton to help that recruitment get off the ground with a, you know, really good start. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just struggle other than JV and Toviano on, and even Jalen Hill, who I think the world of, I just, nobody's really close to me on the board other than him. No, I mean, anybody, that can provide a pass rush, especially a guy with his type of ability, I think has to be uh, extremely, extremely high on the board. All right. Um, are we ready to move into the uh, kind of high school football portion, picks portion, bring our friend Guy Frazier on? Uh, I think we can do that now. Let's uh, Before we do that, why don't we do this? Let's knock out the break. Let's let you guys hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll come back with the great Guy Frazier. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. And we are joined now by our good friend, Guy Frazier, who joins us every week to do Texas high school football picks. Guy, thanks for, uh, for joining us once again. Hey, friends. How, how are we doing tonight? Doing all right? 
I think we're excellent. I want to ask both of you before we kind of get into this, just how good, how good did it feel to be back on the field last week, to hear the bands playing, to, you know, even see the drill teams, all those sorts of things. And just the little things about Texas high school football that gets you going. But guy, did you, I, I was with you for two games. So I, I guess I, I kind of know the answer. Did you, did you hear any buses idling? I did hear some buses idling um, where I usually park by the, uh, the high school here in Highland park. Uh, I actually got told to move because that's where the buses would be idling. They said, you got to move buses are going to be parking here. And I think he thought I was going to give a little pushback. And I said, no, 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 all, you know, all is well. Um, that's, all that's where they should be. Buses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's uh a little bit of an inside joke, but uh, yeah, no, no, no problem those, here. So for those listening, guy, nothing gets guy going like some buses at the stadium idling, and uh, uh, yeah. we, we we run into it a lot in the playoffs, where especially if you're like in a multi-site playoff game where like a couple games are going on and you got the next group of buses coming in, it just, oh, yeah. just that sound, you know, it gets them really perked up and ready that, to go. That that low purr, you know, just uh, you know, you know, big things are coming, so. Uh, but no, it was exciting, you know, exciting times. And, and um, I will say, I, and I'll get your thoughts on this, Mike. Our Thursday game was kind of odd with ESPN being there's a little bit of a stale crowd and kind of felt like some of the energy of high school football was sucked out of the building. But I would say Friday and Saturday were very much in, in true form and, and an awesome time. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, I agree. When, when ESPN does those games, especially Thursday, it felt like they mailed in their coverage. On Thursday, and by that point, I was just like, "Okay, this is doesn't really feel like a game." I don't know. That was a weird game all the way around. We'll talk about it here in a minute. Hudson, your thoughts on being back for Week One, and how excited were you to be back on the field? It's great, man. I mean, it's the thing I look forward most to each year, to be completely honest. So it just felt right. You know what was funny? It's not even the being back on the field. It's like, oh my god, did you see what the Den Ryan score is? Uh, oh my God! Tune into this stream right now because Steele's got a got a chance to drive down and win the game. It's like that kind of stuff. It's like, holy crap! Did y'all see what happened in the valley? Uh, that I think that's like even more fun at times than being on the sideline for a game. It's just the buzz of everything. And wow, what a wild week one it was. Uh, we got some uh, some takeaways uh, from everybody this week. Three takeaways. Is this? Uh, Hudson, is this something you envision us kind of doing each week? Yeah, I mean, it's just an easy way because one thing, too, I think with the pick segment, it's sometimes so fast paced that we don't even get a chance to reflect on what happened the previous week. So, you know, there will be times where it's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, Leander, and not saying any of you did this, obviously, but Leander else would never be Lake Belton. Like you're, you're a moron for even thinking that. And then the next week it's like, all right, on to the new picks. And it's like, wait, are you guys not going to address that a 24 point favorite, you know, got blown out? Obviously, that's None of you said that, but it's kind of in that vein. So, Mike, do you want to start off the three takeaways before we get into the uh, pick recap and then the picks? Yeah, I think we tried to spread them out and make them cover a bunch of different subjects. Here were my takeaways for the week. My first one, um, I watched uh, – I'm trying to think if all – I did not look up Harker Heights. I did not look up Jaden Chapman highlights, but I don't think he had new huddle. I looked up basically the entire class and – uh, in their huddles to see kind of where things are. And 
I thought that Connor Stroh and Andre Kojo, especially two guys on the lower rated end of the class, um, two guys who have massive size and a big ceiling, had really impressive starts to the season and a lot of things that we kind of wanted to see out of them this season. I specifically Kojo played against South Grand Prairie and just, uh, the two guys on this show now, I'm probably close friends with more people on the South Grand Prairie staff than anyone in the world. My, my best friend in the world is, is on that staff and, and a lot of the coaches that coach with them are good friends. And talking to those guys afterwards, I mean, they were blown away by Kojo and his ability. I mean, they were, they were just, uh, they were flabbergasted by how good he was in that game. Uh, so I, I think it was really impressive how good those guys were. We're, I think we're going to all kind of hit on this subject here, um, just how crazy week one was, the upsets. But the perennial powers are down this year. I mean, Duncanville, Duncanville, I think coming even coming out of a sock game where they beat a 5A state champion 23 to 10, um, I think in like completely healthy, there was going to be some questions about that team. And I think they lost a big piece when they lost their quarterback. Uh, for I don't know what the prognosis is, but it looked like a pretty serious injury. Um, so uh, not only Duncanville, um, but you talk about programs out there like Alito uh, losing to Parish Episcopal and, and schools like that. The seeing the perennial powers weekend, uh, and, and while at the same time not t- trying to totally overreact to Week One, uh, was a was a big takeaway for me. Uh, real quick to interject. We'll go more over the game uh, when we do the pick recaps, but I couldn't agree more on Duncanville. I think that, honestly, if you played that game 100 times with Sock, I'm not totally sure that Duncanville wins the majority. Um, And moving forward, obviously they play Jones this week and they don't have a third non-district game, but I I don't know. I'm I'm not totally convinced – uh, even though obviously, you know, beating sock is a big time accomplishment. I'm not totally convinced that they're the region two winner, you know, with no pushback whatsoever anymore. Yeah. I had some, I had some issues with that. Um, watching the game, knowing that they were my region two winner. I had some questions about that as well. Guy, did you, uh, do you want to interject something here? Yeah, I actually had my mic on mute, but. But I was just going to say, you know, my takeaway from from Saturday was that was probably the the least menacing Duncanville team that they've had in five or six years, probably um, since I've gotten back from school and college and and seen them many of times in the time since. That was just the least imposing. I mean, they they did their job and they're big up front, but it just doesn't seem to be the same lethal talent that they've had in the past where they can just flat out bully people. Um, and so, I, yeah, I'm kind of with Hudson and I guess you as well, Mike. I'm not totally sold on them yet. Yeah, my third and final takeaway was from that game. I think Billy Walton is prime for a big year. I thought he played a tremendous game. Without collecting a sack against Duncanville, I thought he played a great game. And I was on the phone with a member of the South Oak Cliff staff today who told me it's the best game he's seen Billy play since he's been there. As far as when it comes down to just playing the man in front of him, that he thought Billy had bought into everything they'd asked of him from a physical aspect, from a technique aspect, had done all the right things. And I, I think we've talked a lot about how important edge talent is for Texas. Billy Walton developing into that's a big development for them. Mike, that's such a good point. And I honestly think that Billy Walton's performance kind of, 
just shows if you can watch football and really get to that next level of analysis or not. Because, yeah, on the box score, he didn't have a sack. But when the team can't that you're going against can't throw the ball, like what are you kind of supposed to do? And his pass rush discipline, I believe he ended up getting a tackle for loss because he was just playing the contain so well. I thought that he was excellent, even though he might not have had the gaudy stats that some edge rushers across the state um, ended up with. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point. I wanted to, for my first takeaway, mention the Texas wide receiver commits absolutely putting on a show. John Tay Cook got a lot of the headlines with uh, throwing up the deuces on a go route and having truly probably the better play of the game, that acrobatic toe tap on the sidelines during a two-minute drill, I thought was fantastic. But Ryan Niblett taking a bubble screen to the house looked a lot like Xavier Worthy. And how about Jonah Wilson? Oh, my God, taking a hitch 70 yards after the catch, I genuinely kind of didn't know he had that in him. And that's just that much more exciting. It's one thing to be kind of a contested catch monster and to be able to pull in those 50, 50 balls and use the basketball ability, but him doing that after the catch was pretty dang impressive. I mean, we saw Jonah in the spring run on the track um, during, uh, was that a regional meet uh, Hudson? I area, I believe. Area. Right. Yeah, an area meet. I mean, he made it a long way for DeCaney. He has some legitimate track times and testing and all those sorts of things. We know he could move. I had seen like a live highlight the night they were playing him. Oh, Jonah Wilson makes this like really great acrobatic catch in the end zone for a touchdown. And I saw he had two touchdowns and I thought, okay, well, Jonah's had a nice game. And then I went back and looked at the stats and it was 10 for 194 and two touchdowns. So, and you talked a lot about it with Jalen Hale, but the ability we saw from, from Jonah Wilson after the catch is extremely exciting if you're Brennan Marion and if you're a Texas fan. Absolutely. We kind of touched on the long viewpoint. The other thing I wanted to mention, it was kind of deceptive because his team only won 22 to seven, but Cedric Baxter, I believe had like a 50 plus yard touchdown called back and still finished with like 22 carries for 230 yards and a tutty. So, I mean, again, when you watch Cedric Baxter plays, it's just clear that he's a five-star talent. Andrew Ivins, uh, the national recruiting analyst for 24 seven, who's the Southeast region expert does a lot in Florida. When Baxter committed, he just straight up and you rarely get this, but just straight up was like, look, if it takes it, I'll pound, uh, I'll pound my fist on the table and make sure that he's a five-star. I mean, I, I don't get how you wouldn't have him as the number one or two running back in the country. He is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I think he is, as the kids say, him. Uh, yeah, facts. I wish his number was one because then we could just do the H1M. Yeah. Um, all right, guy, three takeaways. Yeah, so my first takeaway of the week or of last week was uh, focusing on the San Antonio area. And I actually almost commented on this last week. I'm cl- kind of glad that I didn't. Um, because, you know, for a long time, there's always the Valley week in the playoffs, right? Where the Valley teams come up to the Alamo Dome and they play the Austin, you know, San Antonio area teams. It typically doesn't go well for them. The last couple of years, it kind of feels like San Antonio's had their own issues with just the Austin area teams, right? And that they're uh, kind of in a different weight class at this point. 
And after last weekend, it kind of seems like this might be a year where San Antonio kind of rallies the troops and uh, maybe pushes back at Austin a little bit and regains some footing. Um, when you look at the triple header that was at the Alamo Dome, yes, it was all San Antonio teams playing each other. So that kind of limits the data a little bit. But um, go ahead, Hudson. Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying it once you get done. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at that, you know, there's still a lot to, te- you know, to be told. It's only one week, but they, that was a lot of fun to watch. And there were some players there that we didn't know before that we now know. Uh, and then when you look at the Austin area powerhouses like Westlake and Lake Travis, you know, Westlake is already battling some injury issues at the quarterback position. That's something to kind of keep an eye on. And, and then with Lake Travis, Mike, you can kind of comment on this. Um, you know, I, I didn't leave totally blown away by by them. And um, they just don't seem to really have the dudes that they've had in the past. They're fine, but not great. And I, that's just me being honest. Um, again, only one week, but it just it wasn't overall just impressive. Yeah, I think you've talked a lot about the from a team perspective in San Antonio. I think from a prospect perspective and the team perspective in general. Oh yeah. Are we seeing a resurgence in in San Antonio football? I think it's been down for a couple of years. I'm all for it. I love those San Antonio teams being able to do something. Steel being a regular contender, Judson being back to being a contender. Um we saw some absolute dudes come out of that triple header in the, do- in the dome. And that was, a- I'm really mad because pre move schedule, that game was in like bold ink on my schedule that that triple header, I was going to be at the dome that weekend and, and just couldn't with all the moving stuff, but man, what a, what a fun weekend that sounded like. And I think too, the triple header delivered probably on a level we didn't even know was possible. Game one, 5A Smithson Valley barely uh, beat San Antonio Reagan. Obviously, prayers and thoughts go to Freddie DuBose for a season-ending injury that we mentioned earlier, but he looked electric in the you know reverse game touch pass. Then the very next one, okay, Judson's playing San Antonio Johnson. People are thinking maybe that this is the worst game of the three because Judson on paper is just such a, you know, just such an overwhelming favorite. Uh, Enter 2025 QB Ty Hawkins, who puts the Jaguars on his back. And honestly, talking with Gabe Brooks, talking with Matt Stett, all these guys that were there, you, Tim, Tim Verghese, our our buddy, just like, you could not – you know, he, he couldn't say enough things about Hawkins, who I believe ended up with over 400 total yards and really kind of put himself uh, on the statewide stage as a prospect and somebody that we need to monitor. Yeah, here's what I'm showing. I, I, I know we're not doing this on video, uh, but I'm showing it. I'm showing it. <laughs> we got during the game uh, to the chat here. And it's uh, fired up. About well, and, and think about this, like, how often do y'all see me go back and watch an entire game of a prospect? I just don't usually have the time, and, and I've talked to Mike about that. Just, you know, the care sometimes isn't there um, just because I don't do this full-time like y'all do. But y'all kept talking about this kid, and I was like, I, okay, I, I you know, curiosity is killing the cat here. So I went and stayed up till about 3.30 Saturday night watching him. And, you know, I think our buddy Tim said that he was really mobile. I mean, I, I think he's a legit athlete. Like, that kid can move. Um, he made really good decisions through the air. He also, at times, kind of risked it for the biscuit, you know, and um, it backfired at times. But he also, 
you know, came up big a couple of times on some risky throws. So, like, there's legit talent there. And obviously, it's one week of play, but um, what what a also fun name to find. Stage. Yeah, on a big stage. What a fun name to find early in the season uh, and to kind of keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, those finds are always so fun. So, uh, yeah, I think I think that's a great – when you look at the bigger picture guy, um, like you were saying, maybe this bounce back for San Antonio football, a little bit of the Austin schools. We just, Again, we don't know what Westlake's ultimately going to be with their quarterback issues or injuries. I can, I think I can safely say I think Lake Travis is probably going to take a bit of a step down based on what we were able to see on Thursday night. So maybe this is the year um, that's yeah. one of those San Antonio teams. I think last year, was it Brennan? That played? Brennan was the best team last year, and unfortunately, Lake Travis, and again, a down Lake Travis just kind of spanked them. I think what's better this year is, in addition to Brennan, who, again, played a really good game against Steele, that, who looked a lot better and lost by one point, but now having four or five teams just makes it a lot easier for San Antonio. Your, your hopes aren't just riding on one school, and honestly, I still don't buy that any team in Region 4 is going to beat Westlake even with QB troubles, of course. But when you look at that D2 bracket, like why not if one of these, you know, powerhouse teams from San Antonio gets a D2 bracket? I mean, I don't think that Dripping Springs or Austin Vandegrift, who played a banger week one, are, you know, complete on that Westlake tier. Yeah. All right, Guy, what else you got for takeaways? Uh, Yeah. So so my second takeaway would be something we kind of touched on last week and and curiosity of seeing where this team was going to go this year. Yeah, um, and, and the three of us kind of talked about this on the phone Friday night. But, you know, th- I think there's some legit concern for Chapel Hill, even after one week uh, with their result against Gilmer. Not only are you punching down from a 4AD1 playing a 4AD2, uh, but some of their trends that were a little ugly from a year ago, despite their talent, kind of returned last week. And, and that's from a defensive woe standpoint. Um that's something that plagued them at times last year, especially in that, that rough portion they had in October where they, they lost, I think, three games in a row. Um, and then we saw that again last week. Uh, and, you know, and also going back to last year, it was kind of their inevitable end was not being able to get a stop when they needed one against Austin LBJ. I went back and did the math, and their four losses last year, they on average gave up 36-plus points. Yeah. And last week they gave up 42 points, I believe, to Gilmer. So despite all the offensive talent and someone like Demetrius Brisbane, who is, is playing quarterback for Chapel Hill, but ultimately I think will be a defensive back in college, you know, do some of these guys playing both ways maybe catch up to them in some of these games? Because um, when they lose, they typically fall pretty hard. You know, they lose in, in a rough way. So that – kind of causes some concern and pause for me going forward for them. Yeah, and guy, it's not only that they have some stuff to work out. Like like we mentioned in the preview, they're in a district where you can slip up and end up in fourth or fifth place pretty dang quick. Right. And we saw that last year. I think Huddy, I think you and I determined that they finished fourth last they year. Finished fourth at barely think about where they were at one point, right? And then where they ended up, they still made it to a state semifinal, but they in made the play path. away from a state final. Right, but their path was that much harder just because they didn't take care of business, you know. So, um, yeah. So first off, we are going to all receive a text about this from you know who um, when he listens. Jordan, the 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 man. Yeah. Who could you be talking about? <laughs> 
Um, and the truth hurts. You can know? accuse us of just uh, the Kilgore agenda, I'm sure. But I want to take this time to, because I this is on me for just like misreading the Google Doc and what Guy's second takeaway was. And I thought it was going somewhere completely different, but I think it's a valid point. I want to bring it up. I thought he was talking, I thought it said Cedar Hill instead of Chapel Hill. Oh, well, there's that too. Oh, what is Cedar the- Hill. <laughs> yeah. You talk about perennial powers being down, like one of my takeaways. Cedar Hill, uh, we talked about this week. Their, uh, their next couple games are not easy. So, Step mentioned this on Tep and Step. We talked about this last Friday night. Cedar Hill has a legit, again, Cedar Hill, Joey McGuire's Cedar Hill is there no more. They have a legit shot to start 0 and 5 and maybe end up like 3 and 7 if it doesn't turn out. They have, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's they have Arlington Martin next, right? Yes. And then I believe they have one more tough non district, but they they, have, they play Geyer, don't they? Yes, that's right. They play Geyer. Yeah, it's and, it's just a brutal schedule. Then they have Duncanville and at Waxahachie, which, by the way, that probably should have been one of my three takeaways. Give me all of the Hatchie stock in the world. Absolutely mm-hmm. bulldozing a top 10 uh, 5A squad in Ennis in a rivalry game that's normally pretty competitive. Oh, my God. Hatchie looked great. Okay, so I've got the Cedar Hill schedule. It's not Guy. It's So they play Martin, South Lake Carroll. South Lake Carroll. I mean, yes. kind of even worse to be. Waxahachie, yeah. Duncanville, Mansfield. And Lake Ridge, I think. Then they get Skyline. Then they're at DeSoto. Then they get Legacy and Lake Ridge in the season. I mean, that Lake Ridge game legit might be a win and you're in. And Lake Ridge had a really impressive result last week with a young quarterback. Oh, yeah. And uh, I know Step t- touched on that um, and, and Tep and Step this week, but I actually noticed that myself last week simply due to the fact that I used to go to a lot of Lake Ridge games and they've kind of been down. So maybe this is a resurgence here to some extent. And, and again, with Cedar Hill being down, there might be a spot open for somebody to kind of swipe it. Um, I don't know. Cedar Hill to me is in, in a spot that's could get ugly fast, and, and yeah. who knows what type of domino effect comes into play after that with you know surrounding factors with that job. So, uh, guy, we kind of already hit on your third point about Denton Ryan and Alito having a little bit of a tough spot. Is it cool if we move on to the pick recap before uh, finishing out the picks? Yeah, I was just gonna say kind of the same things you all said, and I'll just add this. You know, speaking of Alito. And I don't care how good Parrish is with all their Highland Park transfers. I'll leave it at that. Um, that's a team that a elite Alito team, which typically title town is pretty good over there, would, would probably spank. Because they've spanked a lot of good teams in the past um, on yeah. the road or at home or neutral side. doesn't matter. Um, and there was just a lot of things for concern there. You know, you look at some of the film, that they're not that big looking. They look kind of lost on defense. I know there's a lot of new faces. And then as much as Hudson and I like Haas Haney, a very pedestrian passing night from him. Yeah. Um, and really just pedestrian across the board. Um, so, and then you get Geyer this week. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Region 1 is just sitting wide open in 5A Division 1. I do want to. I do want to establish this. Are we reacting too much to week one? Are we reacting well enough? I think those are valid questions. I think there are some games that say a lot and some games that say little. I think that result says a lot about Alito. 
Agreed. Uh, can we moving forward just call it the DeSoto Judson principle uh, on yeah. the like? Yes, I was at that game too. So I'm, uh, yeah, I know all about that. Um, quickly recapping the picks from last week, Timson absolutely bodies Beckville in a 2A top 10 matchup. Um, Terry Bussey, Vosky Howard, and the crew really didn't give the Bearcats any of any chance. And uh, the Bearcat faithful were, <laughs> were leaving the stadium in the third quarter. Not exactly thrilled with that one. Um, how about Shadow Creek? Not only beating the tar out of Manville, but hey, Duke Butler cutting a promo on uh, Bally Sports Southwest after. I, I wish that we could add the link to the show description, but I'm not yeah. sure if we can find it. Mike, you're the one who sent it to the chat. How about that? I was sitting at home uh, Friday night because I didn't go to a game. I was like, I was overwhelmed from packing, getting stuff ready to move. And my wife said, you know what? Why don't you just sit out and watch high school scoreboard uh, and watch some games and just relax. And so she knows me um, and, I, and I caught it. And it was it was an incredible promo by Duke Butler, who then just stared into the camera uh, afterward. Mike, also, I think part of it that made it that much more impressive, obviously Duke Butler, the quarterback of Shadow Creek, the son of, I believe, Brad Butler, right? Yeah. Uh, the head coach of Shadow Creek. Duke has gotten a lot of flack, um, you know, during his sophomore year when he kind of had to step up when he wasn't ready and as a junior. So seeing him kind of take the mic in that moment after a signature win, I don't know, it felt good. It, you know, it Just for him to get that sort of uh, redemption redemption moment lake belton just <laughs> in their first uil game makes a hell of a statement and blitzes top 10 leander rouse i should preface lake belton 5a d1 rouse 5a d2 but still lake belton was a 24 point dog and beat the brakes off of the raiders yeah i got so hudson i'm sure you have our picks from last week right our records yes uh, we'll talk about those, but I got, I was pretty pissed because I left the computer and the fact that Leanna Rouse was ranked and all those things enter my mind and um, talk me out of picking Lake Belt in that game. And, and I probably shouldn't have, but like we talked about last week, we just didn't have a ton of information on them to, to kind of do models off of. In, in the moment, I didn't feel, I felt good about the pick and, you know, I made the Lake Belton pick, but I, I didn't feel great because it was the first UIL game and et cetera. We're talking about a little bit of a down region one. I mean, hey, <laughs> you know, it, it'd be something if they were to pull it off. But why why don't the Broncos maybe make a run? Guy, I felt really bad for you about this one. Lucas Lovejoy beats the brakes off of College Station in a ranked matchup at Allen Eagle Stadium. But the Cougars were without Marquise Collins, who after we – recorded the show was announced to have a torn ACL out for the year, you know, prayer thoughts and prayers to Marquise. Um, obviously it sucks for such a talented player to miss his senior year, but um, unfortunately that's just kind of how it went for you in week one guy. Yeah. I mean, um, I think I got a little bit of a, you know, y'all sent the text on the Marquise info, and that that was just you know bad luck. But I also think I I got a little cute last week with some of my picks and pulled a little bit of a nick where I just overthought some things and thought, okay, I'm going to go against the grain on this game when I when I probably knew better. Uh, so when I saw the results, I was like, I kind of asked for what I you know was was shooting for. So um, 
I don't know. It's a down week, but I've had down weeks in the past, and you bounce back, and, and we'll be good. And Sounds then like finally, impressor. Say that again. Sound like a post game presser. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of was. I, I sat there and looked at it today, and I was like, "Ooh, that was not pretty." And a lot of it was. I just got a little, a little cute with it. So we're on to Cincinnati vibes from Guy. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> with Duncanville sock, I'll be completely honest. I realized once, once I can't remember the kid's name. Once the poor kid, fifteen from sock, took the ball from the nine yard line to open up the half and basically just torpedoed the second half momentum for sock. I knew that Duncanville was going to end up winning that game, but I honestly still don't love that. I ended up picking Duncanville because again, I don't think that's really indicative of both teams to be completely fair. I, I think, yeah, both teams made mistakes. Both teams had key injuries, but I don't know, man. I, I just was not very impressed. I thought – I will say this. I thought Caden Durham, the Duncanville 2024 running back, was fantastic, and I'm very high on him. But other than that, I mean, it was a lot of profiting off of mistakes instead of creating your own uh, opportunities. Well, and I told Kyle Ward, the defense coordinator at SOC, after the game, like, you kept giving your offense chances and opportunities, but, again, if you don't cash in on them, that's all they are. You know, so um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's some growth to be done for for Sock going forward on offense, but defensively they they held their own. They look pretty good, and I think in the trenches too. For yeah. probably second straight season, they held their own on both ends. That that wasn't the issue, you know. Yeah. So I think that's a big positive to take forward for them because they're not going to face many teams with that type of size at the five eighty two level. There's nobody else, I don't think, that's going to match them size for size in the trenches that they'll play all season for the rest of the year, right? Like, like Duncanville could. And I don't think there's many teams in the state outside of your West Lakes and your South Lakes and all those kind of schools. North Shore. Big six, of course, North Shore. Uh, boy, that should have been a takeaway, by the way. I think we said last week North Shore is a, a nuclear missile just making its way. Uh, toward everybody and I think they we all pick them to win a state title I feel like we all probably would double down if given the chance I triple down I bet the new house. yeah after seeing the the other side of that equation on Saturday I think it's even more just Absolutely. a possibility I offer up my new house as part of a part yeah. of the, uh, when we get to state title real quick when we get to state title conversations I do think we should just take 10 minutes to like just do a just do a three man weave on North Shore's greatness, and obviously it's silly to grant, crown them after week one. But my God, thinking about them adding Dion DeBlanc to that, like goodness gracious! Yeah, a lot of people thought that Thursday game was going to be a lot of fun. Not sure why they traveled. There, there were a lot of people that were. This is going to be an incredible game, and I looked at it and said, uh, North Shore by forty. <laughs> and, right. and right. let off the gas almost it was like a f1 car racing a, a beetle to where the f1 cars literally just you know off the gas three seconds in it was unreal yeah so um in my head i think i've got a guy and i went three and two and hudson went five and oh is that correct no um, i went five and oh you went three and two guy went two and three it was stinker. Oh. that's why you got the press conference you got mike so yeah. Well, at least God. you can Scott Frost it and throw your OC on the bus, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Can you <laughs> – that, that was insane. I can't believe <laughs> in Ireland. 
Good God. Uh, I did throw Nick under the bus, though, so I guess. Yeah, before we get into the picks, any any uh, any takeaways from uh, – here, I got a takeaway from week one of college – or week zero of college football. I can't wait. Listen, I love Casey Thompson. He was truly one of my favorite recruits to cover. He's always been incredibly nice to me. Um, I've always enjoyed talking to him. I think he's a really smart kid. I root for his success. I really do. But, guys, what did I text y'all before that game kicked off? That if Casey started tearing it up, narrative season was going to fire up. Yep. In regard to Texas, and, and it did. Everybody had their takes on Twitter. And I was, guys, like, we've seen Casey Thompson games before. Let's see how it bears out. And I think down the stretch, you know, yeah. There's a lot of blame to go around that Nebraska team. This is not on Casey Big Thompson time. alone that they lost. Uh, how about don't onside kick when you fell? Oh, my God. But I think uh, it was imperative. Use week zero is almost like a preseason for your takes. Like, take, yeah. get, get the bad ones out. No kind of how to use context and wait till the end of the game. They sent the C too early or the, the, the Heath H too early, some people did, as we would say. And I think, uh, I, yeah, that was my biggest takeaways. I knew narrative season was coming, and it almost had me in a spot of, like, rooting against a kid that I don't really want to root against because I do like him a lot. It stinks, too, for Casey. because, And obviously, I will just be kind of blunt. Uh, sometimes Casey does do it to himself. I know the press conference stuff, he kind of won some fans back by saying, don't ask me about Texas anymore. But he's gone out of his way a couple times. And, you know, don't blame him for it. But – it almost does stink with him just because it's like you, it feels like you can't just be in the middle on, I think that he's a good player, but you know, people who were taking victory laps on, Oh, Texas got rid of him because I'm like, no, just stop. Let's, you know, let's have, I mean, you know, I'm the moron for asking for measured takes on Twitter, I guess. All right. Well, let's jump into our picks before we do that. Since it looks like we are going over an hour tonight. Let us uh, take a break for our second commercial break of the, uh, of the evening. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, Guy. Um, what do you, you, got, you got a big slate for us this week, another big slate. What, is, what can we start with here? Yeah, before I jump in, I do want to mention on the long-form podcast, I had several texts, including Chris Heron, who we mentioned on the show last week, good friend of mine, thoroughly enjoying the long form of the show. I know we can't do that all the time, but I know we're looking for reviews of that. And so far, I got a lot of positive remarks from the couple of friends I know that listen. And then just looking at the board posts seemed overly positive. I tallied it up because, again, there are some people, I think, that – kind of have an outdated view of podcasts. And I know that there are a few that don't really enjoy the longer form. I counted it up from DMs, board posts, everything. It was like 16 to three in favor of longer. So, you know, take take that what you will. Uh, I did spin the wheel, by the way, when we eventually get to our first game, the order will be Guy Mike Hudson. Guy Mike Hudson. Okay, okay well, I will say that uh, just – just bank on the fact that when the three of us get together and start talking Texas high school football, bet the over. It's probably going to go long form more times than not. So sure, uh, we just – that's kind of us. This is – all you guys are getting is a peek into either our group text or our, you know, three-way phone calls we have on Friday nights after games. This is basically it. So uh, we just clean it up a little bit. All right. Um, all right. Let's, let's jump in. Um Quick question for y'all. I noticed this last week. We did this last year. We had a double down game, and we didn't do that a week ago. Are we going to ditch that for Maybe for playoffs. You want to do it in the playoffs? Okay. Yeah, I was thinking about bringing that back for playoffs. We did that last year for full season. I think right now let's let's go single. Um, I like that. I think it adds a little flavor to the playoffs that differentiates yeah. it from the regular season. So let, let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let, let's let's dive in without further ado. Uh, game one of our five game slate. Uh, let's see, 7 p.m. Thursday at Planet Forge Stadium down in the Houston area. We've got the Fort Bend Hightower Hurricanes, who are 1 0 after last week, uh, facing off with the number eight team in 6A, the Spring Westfield Mustangs, who are 1 0 themselves. Um, Typically, I hand this off to y'all, but I guess I'll, I'll jump in here first. Um, off top, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say I think Westfield wins this game by two or three scores. Um, I don't know the most about this Westfield team. I don't think it's necessarily the most star-studded group that they've had over over the years. Um, just taking a look at their DCTF capsule, I didn't recognize a lot of names like I typically do, um, and maybe that's just on me. Uh, but with all that being said, I think the program as a whole is in a better place than where Hightower is at this point. Um, Hightower is, is back in 6A after a couple of years in 5A, and, and quite frankly, when they were in 5A, um, they they left a lot to be desired. It, it wasn't the greatest couple of years for them, um, with most of the winning going on over at Marshall in Fort Bend right now in Missouri City area. So, um, you know, I, I know our buddy Nick Harris – kind of bought some stock in Hightower a week ago after seeing them in person, but I'm still kind of waiting to see further data points on that. Um, I guess from a recruit standpoint, 
I'm sure you all mentioned him, but I'm kind of intrigued to see what the uh, the hefty lefty PJ Hather. He's not really hefty, but he is a lefty. Uh, does a quarterback for for Westfield this season as he as he comes over from Klein Oak. Um, you know, I kind of think he's a guy that can pick up some late interest as a senior and, and start to see his recruitment pick up a little bit. Um, all that being said, though, give me Westfield by, like I said, a couple scores. Yeah, I, I'm with you, guy. I'm usually in a case like this where it's like, okay, Hightower, I think, is a well-coached team. They are a talented team. Um, there's a lot of reasons to like them but I tend to stick with what I know and a little bit of history. And if a program has a reputation, I try to stick with that. Now I'll say this. I've always looked at Westfield as a school that could go up against. They're kind of, to me, almost like I was calling like the Arlington Martin of Houston, where it's like, they, they're, never, they're never really intimidated. They go up against North shore and, and they're like, we're not scared of North shore. You know what I mean? Whereas a lot of schools are intimidated before they do that. Now, I went with that logic last year against DeSoto in the playoffs, and DeSoto kind of wiped the floor with, with Westfield um, in what was a somewhat surprising result to me. So it took a little bit of a hit there, but not a total hit. I'm sticking – I'm going to stick with Westfield on this one as well. And I'll also add this. Um, you know, with Jeremy Payne being hurt, the running back from Hightower – I, you know, I don't know if he'll play this week, but that also gave me pause, and I'm sure Hudson will touch on that a little bit. Yeah, with, with P.J. Hatter at quarterback, Westfield, and they've had a couple of good QBs over the past couple of years. That's never really been their problem, but they just looked so much better off on offense in week one than really a lot of the other Westfield teams. I, I really like them a lot. Uh, they are a 21-point favorite, so it's not exactly like it's a pick em game, you know, uh, and so not going out on a limb by picking Westfield, but I, I do think that they'll probably win comfortably. I'm excited to see what uh, Hightower's Zion Carney can do. Really impressive frame at wide receiver and a top 24-7 guy for us, so uh, that that's a – that's an intriguing Thursday night matchup, and we'll go to another Thursday night matchup next that I'm really excited about. Okay, you ready to move on? We, we've all touched our points on that one? Okay. Yeah. Um, all righty, so let's go to our small school game of the week, actually. Um, so it'll be at the 4 level this, this time around. Thursday at 7.30 p.m. At Bridge City's Ward Stadium, um, which I think there's a little bit of a situation. Yeah, LCM Stadium isn't ready. Okay, so there you go. So it, it'll be a neutral site, uh, but in the same neck of the woods. We'll have the the Orange Bowl um, between 4AD1's number seven team and the Little Cypress Mauriceville Bears. You know, LCM's 1-0 after one week of, uh, of play. And they'll be taking on their, their arch rival, the 4AD2 number four team. The West Orange Start Mustangs, who are also one to know. Hudson looks like the wheels chosen you to pick first, and, and I think that's perfect since you're our Southeast Texas uh, guy. Yeah, I, I'm so excited about this game. There was no game. I, I mean, as sad as I was to miss the uh, triple header at the Alamo Dome, I'm even more sad that I'm not going to be able to join our friend Matt Step down in. Bridge City for the aptly named Orange Bowl from Little Cypress, Mauriceville, and West Orange Stark, two teams from Orange, Texas. Look, when I was in school, Little Cypress, Mauriceville was almost like had the reputation of like a liberal arts college in Southeast Texas, which I, I know kind of sounds funny, but it was like, that's the band school. That's the great academic school. 
they hire Peavy from Beaumont Westbrook off of a state title run and, and, you know, where they barely lose to Longview. And he has turned that program into a legit juggernaut. Last year, LCM upset Ruben Owens and El Campo in the uh, playoffs. So, again, LC, I want to pick LCM so bad because they truly are the program on the rise in Southeast Texas, along with, you know, Silsby, I'd say. But to be the man, you've got to beat the man. And while they're close to getting on West Orange Starks level, the Mustangs put a thumping on 5A Nederland last week, 32 to nothing. So I'm backing Jamal Shaw and the boys to win the Orange Bowl. I don't feel great about it because, again, Amir Washington, the Texas Tech commit, a bunch of kids at LCM I really like. I might be regretting myself. I might be regretting it on, uh, you know, Thursday night that I didn't pick LCM, but until they do it, I've got to go with Wass. Man, I'm really shocked, actually. Uh, this should, for one, this should be called the Standish Bowl. This is uh, this is about as Hudson as it gets. He's been talking about LCM all offseason, talks about Wass a lot. I got the full Southeast Texas lesson on our week through Houston. I was the little a little reveal. I was doing a little extra research today. I was going over our game picks with our good friend Matt Step on the phone and just kind of, hey, you know, what do you think about this game? What do you think about that game? Uh, just getting a little extra. And I told him, I said, I think I'm leaning loss and I've got to go loss because I need to create some separation with Hudson. And I'm 99% sure he's going to pick LCM, just knowing him. Um, so you, you, you threw me a curveball going there. That said, I'm with you on the reasoning. I do think, I do think this is damn near a pick them game. It could go either way. Um, but I'm going to roll with, uh, with Westward start, give me the proven program there. And it's hard to say, you know, I, I'm in my head, it's kind of like, okay, is this PV thing? Is it like, just, is this, are we a year too early for them to beat loss? It's hard to say for a team that went as deep as they did in the playoffs last year, right? That they're, they're and is a division higher, like right. But I I do think that loss has little brothered them a lot in in the last couple of years. And Mike, that's such a good point. It just goes to the statewide program respect that West Orange Stark has, right? Like I, I think that if you blind resume the teams, the majority of people probably would pick Little Cypress more Eastville, but. You know, when you when you see those silver and navy blue jerseys in the white, like it just it's hard to pick against them. It's almost like getting to that level that you know, like sock is kind of becoming at five A D two or that North Shore has in six A right now. It's just tough. Yeah. Yeah. So my thoughts on this game are, are kind of similar style of yours. I, I kind of looked at the, the history uh, of the, of the two programs as a whole, from what I know. Um, and I've, I've gotten to know a little bit more about LCM since really Hudson came into my life. Um, oh, and yeah. if I'm not mis- you know mistaken, coach PV is a LCM grad, which I think played into why he went there in the first place and left Westbrook. Is that correct? Hudson? I can't remember if he was a grad, but he did talk a lot about the fact that it's a single school ISD and he basically had full control over the program, played a big deal. And you know, little Cypress Mauriceville is extremely well-funded and, you know, they have a great community around that program. So it made a lot of sense for him. I believe he's a grad, but I can't remember. Yeah. I think there was something along the lines of he was going back home when he took that job to some extent. So 
you know, you, you've got him there, and now they're trending in the right direction. You look at 2018, they're four and seven. 2019, they're six and four. 2020, they're one and seven. And then all of a sudden last year, they, they pop off this 11 and three record and were really legitimate. Um, and then you've got West Orange Stark, who is the perennial power down those neck of the woods and has been good for forever. And then the offseason, Cornell Thompson decides he wants to retire. And I think between Cornell and Dan Hooks, there was maybe one other coach in the history of the program, right? Yeah, they've had they've had, they've had three coaches. They've had three total, and now you've got <laughs> Hiawatha taking over. And um, you know, it's I we don't know where where the program's gonna go from here. Like it, it could trend in the right. One was encouraging. And, yeah, and it, it, for sure. And so now under Coach Hickman, uh, you know, I think everybody's kind of waiting with bated breath to see where um, you know, Wasp goes. And that, that's funny to say because, like, their last couple of years have been really good. They just haven't made the, the deep runs that they're used to making. Um, so I guess all that to say, both programs are kind of at a crossroads right now with each other as far as the rivalry. You know, they're both trending, not in opposite directions, but it's probably um, about as fairly even as it's been in a long time. Despite all that, I'm still going to roll with the Mustangs just because I think you don't go against that at this point. And if you see me this weekend in Austin, which we'll talk about my schedule, there's a good chance you're going to run into me in DKR wearing my road white Dion Beasley jersey, one of the all-time great Mustangs. So, oh, baby. Um, anyway, a little, little uh, sneak peek on that. But um, I think that's it for, for me. So give me, give me West Orange start. Uh, moving on to game number three of our slate, our first Friday game, 6 p.m. Friday at Katie's Legacy Stadium. Uh, we've got the number 10 team in 6A, the Umbla-Tascacita Eagles, making the short trip over uh, to face off with the number five team in 6A, the Katie Tigers, who are 1-0 themselves. Um Let's see. Katie enters this game as a nine-point favorite, according to DCTF's computers. Mike, I'll let you take over first. I gave a lot of thought to picking Atascacita in this game and what it would take. And I do think Atascacita has a lot of individual talent when it comes to guys like Nick Kibble and Tori Blaylock and uh, is it? Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of their uh, their quarterback, Zion uh, Brown. I was I, I knew Zion. I kept I couldn't remember the last name. I kept wanting to say Clark, uh, which I think is our guy from Anawak last year. Hudson is the kid from Anawak. It might not be Brown, but uh, I thought so. Um, I do think they have that. I think what a task Asita did last week to Dickinson uh, was really impressive. And I think this is a year people are talking about Katie being a little bit down by their standards now probably still a team that could contend for a state title, but maybe not as powerful as, as a few of the Katie teams of old. That said, Katie doesn't lose at home. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, it's just, it's hard to bet against Katie. I guess that's my, my main reasoning for it. Uh, it. It's kind of, again, a give me the established program that's done it. I think Every year we hear about Atascacita, and they beat Allen last year at home and their streak, and Atascacita does some nice things every year. But when they run up against these kind of big boy programs in Houston, they usually get turned around and sent back out the door. So I will take uh, Katie in this one. 
Okay. So you kind of took the words out of my mouth a little bit, Mike. Um, I think on Teppen step, Tepper mentioned something like, and I tried to look this up to verify the number. Uh, Cause I don't think he was even quite sure he had it right. But I think Katie's something like 58 and two at home since 2003 or, or something along those lines, uh, which is just a completely freaky stat to throw out there. Um, so they don't lose at home, just like you said. Um, and then I don't really know what to take from the Atascacita Dickinson score from a week ago. I think it's an impressive uh, outcome, but I don't really ever know what to think of Dickinson. A lot of times they have a lot of talent, uh, but it doesn't always translate on the field. Now, I will say Mike and I talked about that, and I think that's a little bit of a lazy take because despite them not always putting it together, losing 37-0 to zero or whatever they did, that's not a result they put out there very much. So maybe they just are down to some extent this year, and that, that is what it is, and, and we just don't know any better until a couple weeks down the road. Um, but, I, you know – Katie's played the Tascosita a couple times over the last decade or two. And it's, or I guess decade, the Tascosita is not that old of school, but um, it's never fared in, in their favor. And like Mike said, every time they play kind of the tier one schools in Houston, they kind of get reminded why they might be more of a tier two school, which I would say they're at the top of that list. So um, give me the Tigers in this game. I think it'll be close. Uh but I just don't think this is a game where a task seeder really kind of proves themselves as a tier one school in Houston quite yet. I did a big speech in the last game about how to be the man, you've got to beat the man only for the next pick to say that I love a task here. I truly love them here. I am not sold on this Katie team whatsoever. And a task went out there and dog-walked Dickinson last week. Well, Katie kind of struggled in the first half with a clear Springs team that I don't think is on Dickinson's level. Now, transitive property math never really works well in any form of football, especially at the high school level. But I feel like Tascacita has the more dynamic players on offense. I feel like they have the better defense. It really just comes down to whether you view the individual pieces my, whether you value the individual pieces, which I do think Atascacita has the clear advantage, or if you just hate betting against uh, Gary Joseph at home for Katie. I really like Atascacita here. And I think, honestly, this is one of those games that's just going to help show that Atascacita is the second best team in Houston. The only problem is they're destined to go D1 every year with North Shore, while Katie depending on results, could go D2 and still be a state title contender. Well, so we've got a little chance for separation there. Somebody's going to separate with that pick. I think that's the first pick where one of us has gone uh, divergent from the others. So uh, we'll see. All right. uh, What's the next game? Okay. So our fourth game um, is one that we kind of debated on putting in on the slate. I think it's, I think it's the right move. And I think there's a lot to talk about here. So 7 PM Friday at Allen's Eagle stadium. Um, We've got the Houston CE King Panthers um, out of the Houston area. We're one to know traveling North a couple of hours uh, to take on the Allen Eagles who are 0 and 1 after their spanking that they took from, um, St. John Bosco week ago. So uh, we, we told you show. We told you so, by the way, on that one, uh, this podcast was not uh, pulling any punches in the preview for number one, St. John Bosco coming into Allen. 
Right. Yeah. And I have a lot of thoughts even on that alone, but that's another discussion. Um, so anyway, CE King, one and oh, and then Allen's Owen one, Mike, I'll, I'll let you take over. <clears throat> I thought this one was fairly easy looking at the picks when you sit them out. I think this is, I, I've, I've just spent all this time talking like, like Hudson in the last pick. I've just spent all this time talking about established programs and what they've done over their history. And I'm um, and then I'm going to throw it out the window. Now, here's what I looked at. I thought C.E. King just pulling the pants down on a Crosby team that's been pretty good over the Bingo. last couple of years and pretty athletic was impressive. Here's what I found out today when I did not know when I saw the score. Crosby had like eight or nine starters out of that game, um, which does change things a little bit. But I do think, man – Atascacita, they they damaged the armor on Allen Eagle Stadium last year. They they let us they they made Ivan Drago bleed. They're not unbeatable there anymore. And I think that this is a team kind of reeling, coming off of of that week one loss to Bosco, um, a team that we've heard from people maybe the worst Allen team in a decade or two. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go against what I usually feel with established history and tradition. I'm going with CE King to go in and get the win. I'm next up. The wheel decided that I'm next up. And again, we mentioned the wheel being just. It's just here in this. I, I agree with everything you've said. The only thing I want to say, if Allen on paper, Allen is an 11 point favorite. They're the much better, much better program historically. C.E. King, though, looked really damn good. And that is a while the moment might be kind of big for them. And that's something I'm worried about mentality wise. I'm not worried about Dylan, Texas commits, Dylan Spencer or any of those dudes at C.E. King when it comes to just playing the football game. And I kind of am a little bit worried about the mental state of this Allen team who steps up and who's the leader for them if they do get the dub over C.E. King. Huge credit to Coach Wigington for kind of getting them back on the tracks. Me picking C.E. King is less about St. John Bosco humiliating Allen at Allen Eagle Stadium. And it's more about what we heard from scrimmage season, from the offseason, everything in the middle. I just I, I don't want to pick Allen right now. Maybe they get it back on track during district play. Uh, they might prove me wrong. And one of our takeaways for next week will be that we overreacted a little bit, but I'm picking the Panthers. I also just think we saw CE King in the spring. I just think athlete for athlete, they've oh got my God. a little bit out man there, which is not oh always the case for out. You know? Absolutely. They, Mike, would you say they were probably one of the best, just like on the look? Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. All right, guy, you going to go with us or you, you stick with tradition? Yeah, so I um, I had bad info and I knew it was wrong because something just – I was like, I think I know better. Um, so I knew that they played Crosby being C.E. King. And then for some reason right before the show, I looked up on on Dave Campbell's and their schedule for some reason on their page was, was wrong and had them not having a week one game. So I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. This must be their first game of the year. That gives me pause a little bit. Then y'all start discussing things, and I realize, oh, wait, I did know better. They did play Crosby. So now I'm kind of in a, in a mess over here. Um, I will say this, and I touched on this quite a bit last year. You know, For years, C.E. King and North Shore 
kind of fumbled over talent between the two schools and North Shore, you know, gets a lot of that talent. And recently, CE King's been trending in a direction as a program that we've never really discussed yeah. them, you know, being in, in this type of situation. Um, they haven't really gotten over the mountain yet, but, like, they're climbing it. And, and, and last year's playoff run was a really important step for them. And it's, you know, a baby step on the loftier goals. But, yeah, you're exactly right. Right. And so, you know, I don't know a ton about this particular team, but I do like Dylan Spencer. Um, I have seen him play in the past. He, he wasn't at King at the time. but um, And then looking at their capsule earlier, they've got a lot of size. They've got a lot of size in their secondary, which is not always the case at the high school level. Um, I've never been sold on Allen's quarterback situation. Um, and, and I don't really know where they are mentally after last week. I've, you know, kind of hammered that home a week ago on this podcast saying this could easily be a situation where they start going in the wrong direction and becomes a domino effect. So maybe that starts, um, this week. And I, I think all that being said, I think I'm in a role with CE King if nothing else, because y'all went that direction, and I guess if if y'all fall, we all fall. So um, I'll play a safe and, and roll with Panthers from a pick standpoint. I don't know if it's the overall safe pick, but, yeah, give, give me the Panthers. Two things before we move on. I, I kind of mentioned that my takeaway uh, for Allen would be if they win, they're kind of getting it back on the track, and it's a really solid win, even though you're at home and the other team is traveling up to – uh, Dallas and you know while CE King doesn't have the name value of an Atascacita it is a team that I do think is like a top 25 6A program if CE King beats Allen I don't think that the only takeaway should be that Allen just stinks now and I, I do think that if CE King gets the dub it should be they're guaranteed to go D2 in the same district as um, North Shore and Atascacita and this team that's guaranteed to go D2 might legitimately be a state title contender. Yeah, not so much in the case of, of Allen's result last week just because of, of who they played and, and the, the gravity of that. But um, sometimes when Allen loses these games, we talk more about Allen than we do the team that beat them. For sure. And I don't want that to be the case here um, because I think it would say a lot about C.E. King and what they have cooking and what they've kind of been building towards the last couple of years. So um, does it mean that they're a top team in Houston all of a sudden? I don't know about that, but I, I think it does reaffirm the idea that this program is going in the right direction if they were able to pick up a road win like this in non-district that I would say is probably a first for them. So big time. Um, okay, on, on to our last game. I will say before we move on to the last game, Guy, you kind of written out your thoughts on our Google Doc, and I, I was reading going, what, why does Guy think that C.E. King didn't play game week one? So I'm really glad you didn't end up number one on the pick going forward with that reasoning. I was like, please give one of us the first pick so we can talk about C.E. King Crosby. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got lucky that I was last there. It gave me some time to – look up and then correct myself a little bit. Something didn't feel right about that, but I was like, heck, what, what do I know? So what, the wheel what? was just. <laughs> the wheel was just. Very yeah. just yeah. The wheel saved me and it made me look good. So um okay. Game number five, back up to the DFW area again. Um we've got six A's number 16, the Dentengeyer Wildcats who are one and zero after spanking Heath a week ago. 
taking on 5AD1's number nine team, Alito, uh, the Bearcats. Can't remember the last time they were ranked that low in a, in a poll. That's pretty crazy. But they're 0-1 after they lost to Parish a week ago, as we touched on. Uh, the game's 7.30 p.m. on Friday at Bearcat Stadium. Uh, and, and it looks like the wheel has, has chosen me to go first. Um, I kind of talked a little bit about this in our in our recap of a week ago and, and kind of our thoughts, so I'll, I'll make this quick. Uh, I think Geyer could potentially win this game pretty pretty handily. Um, there's a lot of things about Alito I just don't feel great about after that that first week. As I discussed, I, I thought their offense left a lot on the table to, to want more. Um, and defensively, I mean, yeah, they, they did hold Parrish 24 points, but um, I've just talking to several people, you know, it seems to be a lot of turnover on that side as well. And, and they're kind of readjusting their pieces to see what they can do going forward. Uh, so all that stuff kind of gives me pause. Um, not to mention guys just loaded with talent, which I'll let y'all touch on a little bit more, but um, yeah, just uh, I, I think the Wildcats can, can put together another big statement win on the road. Um, and, and, you know, again, start off on the right foot this season. So, Geyer is an eight-point favorite, according to the DCTF computer, which for this game would make them – yeah, for, for the five games we've picked, Geyer technically on paper for the computer is the uh, smallest favorite, and I think it's legitimately the opposite. Mm. I, I, I can't find a narrative in my head to where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is how Alito beats this 6A – supercharged Denton Geyer team. Like I, I just genuinely don't see. Um, and again, I, we, you mentioned earlier guy that we like Hoss Haney a lot. I think Jaden Allen is the Texas commit is kind of playing like really trying to take that next step and be a leader for this team as a junior, but there are just too many questions with the leader right now. So Facing a Geyer team that has the Bowen brothers who put on a freaking show in week one against Heath, Oklahoma quarterback commit Jackson Arnold, who at the high school level can really be just as dynamic on the ground as he is in the air. Uh, I mean, am am I missing something here? Do either of y'all see a scenario where Alito kind of stuns Geyer? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jaden Allen's a great player, but I don't think, you know, like on, on defense, I don't think he's the one guy that's going to flip the script of the game. Um, and, and from what I've heard, there's a lot more issues there. And, and you've got someone like Jackson Arnold, who's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the state, you know, potentially just going to open a can of whoop-ass and, and throw another flamethrower-type stat line out there. So, to me, no, I, I don't see – a way this goes well for Alito, but I guess prove me wrong. I think you nailed it, and it goes to my pick. Like, I don't know why Geyer's not a 21-point favorite in this game at this point. Uh, it's hard to talk about. It, it feels weird for me to sit here and go, yes, I think Allen's going to lose back-to-back games. I think Alito's going to lose back-to-back games. But that's what I think, and I think you're right in that it feels – if you go solely off of week one – and what Geyer did to their opponent it was a pretty, you know, decent opponent. And what Alito did against a tap school, he'd be at the best tap school in the state, whatever. It shouldn't happen to a school like Alito. 
Also, given the fact that Geyer plays division up, man, I if this thing was four touchdowns, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think I see this the, the same way I saw Lovejoy College Station almost. There's, yeah, great comp. Like, I, I don't see any way this isn't just a, a blowout. So, um, man, if Alito pulls this out, it's going to be a testament to Tim Buchanan's coaching. It's going to be it's going to be a, t- a testament to kind of the the culture of that program that they've been able to build and the toughness they have. I just don't see them doing it. It's going to well, be so funny if that if somehow they do um, pick the win because again, I think all three of us would happily eat crow and be like, "Man, Alito, hell of a job." And again, a lot of the people that listen are going to be like, "Hey, can we talk about Texas and Alabama?" I'm sick of minute 45 of, you know, eating crow about Alito. Like, who cares? Well, yeah. once guy right. comes on, just know that we're talking high school football. That's right. I was about to say, there is a, there's a division in the show where, you know, the, the second half takes over, and this is what we talk about. And we're giving you a talking Texas uh, on Friday. Sure. You can talk. We're, gonna, we're not going to talk about Alito at all, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like the idea, though, of just, you know, I'm, I'm a part of the rogue fan base is just like, Hudson, I, I've got to get you to interject some some ball talk and uh, some college ball talk in the high school segment. I'm just sneaking in stats about, I don't know, New Mexico State start under uh, Jerry Kill or whatever. Yeah, we're I just get done talking about. You know, Houston Madison, and then all of a sudden, exactly. Just like, yeah, so let's talk about the uh, how Texas. Yeah, so, how about Quentin Johnson? Yeah, Johnson. Just like, all right, sure. Um, no, I think the one last thing I'll say about this game is it's not like Alito, yes, they bring good crowds to their home games, but it's not like that's like a crazy environment to go play in. You know, I've never seen it that way. I think they get so used to winning out there. For sure. That this would be a change of scenery if someone marches in to Bearcat Stadium and, and kind of lays a thumping. I, I don't think they'd be ready for that necessarily. I mean, and granted, when you win the amount of state titles and, and the domination that they've shown, you're not used to losing, you know. Yeah, so, and, yeah you're absolutely right. And for people who aren't as familiar with Texas high school football, we're talking about Alito, the only team in the state with double-digit 10 State titles, solo in first place alone. It's so, so for a reason. Yeah, I would also say I probably have to fact check this, but I'm pretty sure the last team that walked into that stadium and beat the tar out of them was an Eli Stowers led didn't guyer team a couple of years ago. I think they I came think in that feels right. early yeah. season and beat them. Uh, it was Deuce Harmon's senior year, I think. So that would have been Eli Stowers' senior year as well. And I think they came in and beat them by a pretty healthy margin. That's probably the last time they beat there. So that guy or program knows they can go in and do it. And, and that kind of just speaks to what we're talking about and why they should be bigger favorites. That's a guy or team that we think that uh, I'm assuming we all think that this current group is better than, and we know for a fact that this Alito team isn't close to that years. So it's just like, I don't know. I do feel, I hope Alito fans kind of understand what's coming. Cause if the expectation is they're going to bounce back and it's going to be a one score game, like I, I just don't know that's going to happen. By the way, we talked about it earlier. Uh, I am interested. I just want to look this up real quick before we move on. We talked about it earlier with Cedar Hill. Um, 
you know, Alito's schedule e- eases up a little bit more than like Cedar Hills. They, you know, after, sure. after playing Geyer, they have to go to Justice Northwest. They get Azel. They're in the district at that point. Um, and their district, as we've talked about, not the toughest, but, you know, Burleson Centennial. And Burleson Ohio. Centennial offers a very unique challenge as well. So if, you, if you're if you sleepwalking through that game, you're going to lose. And Denton Ryan being in their district as well, yeah. I think, is, is definitely something. So, I mean, are we talking about, can you imagine a six and four Alito team? <laughs> I, I could. Goodness. Um, before we get out of here, can we really quickly talk about, I, I, can't, I forget what the promotion is calling it, but the doubleheader that's Duncanville, Orlando Jones, DeSoto, St. Francis Academy out of Maryland. Duncanville, Orlando Jones. Can I, can I address the promotion firsthand and why we haven't given a lot of promotion? So the guy putting it on, I think, was somewhat involved with Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Which is why you haven't seen a ton of promotion from us or anybody else. It's the reason why the game is being played at Clark Stadium in Fort Worth, which is a super weird venue for both of those. Or, yeah. Um, so just know that that stuff's going on uh, before we get in. <laughs> hey, at least they got real teams this time. Yeah, for sure. Okay, go ahead, Hub. No, I was just – I kind of think that DeSoto-St. Francis uh, out of Maryland is the more intriguing matchup out of those two. Um, yeah. And I um, thought about maybe petitioning for that to be a picks game, but it's one of those things to where it's just like we know that St. Francis is a essentially a DMV all-star team. They have the Womack kid that's going to LSU, a ton of defensive line blue chip talent, but I don't know. It's – better for us just to kind of preview it or barely talk about it instead of trying to act like, you know, we're, we're actually the definitive uh, source on all things East coast football. We'll leave that to our boy, Brian Doan. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> from the guys I've talked to out in Florida. Um, I think that I think Duncanville, although again, I'm, I'm curious to see what Duncanville what the quarterback future looks like after injuries. If Caden Durham's back after leaving that game injured, you know, they took some, they took some blows from South Oak Cliff in that game that they're going to have to recover from. I still think from what we've heard, um, you know, I think that I, I like Duncanville that game. I do think the DeSoto game is more interesting. And I would probably at this point pick St. Francis to win that game. I do think that if DeSoto comes out of that game a winner, it may change a lot of the narratives we have about Minnesota. And heading into that next uh, <laughs> that next game against Sock, oh my God, that that would whew, that'd be that'd be something. So, boys, I, I uh, did a little research. I, I have a site that I kind of keep to myself where I can find these old records. If again, we're kind of going back to the Alito game, but I, I couldn't find that at the time. Um, you know, there's all this talk of Alito's lost two games in a row. It's the first time since 2007 when they lost to Everman and Stephenville. And I started thinking earlier today, when's the last time they lost three games in a row? Um, and it, it goes all the way back to 2005 when North Crowley beat them in week two of the season, 37 to 27, uh, which if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the North Crowley team that won the state championship that nobody remembers. Um, and then week three, they lost to Abilene Wiley 19 to eight. 
And then the following week in week four, they lost to Ennis 31 to 14. So you're looking at something that's over 18 years old, possibly happening, um, I guess, uh, two, two nights from now. So anyway, uh, do we want to talk about our games coming up this week? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We need to get them out of the way quickly because I just got the low battery signal, uh, which means I've got uh, just a few minutes before this thing crashes. So uh, my games are um, on Thursday night. I'll be going to Northwest ISD Stadium in uh, Justin, Texas, my future homeland, uh, to see Trophy Club Byron Nelson face McKinney Boyd. Byron Nelson, of course, home to Texas offer David Capongo, also a guy in Ashton Williams that I think is a very interesting 2024 prospect. Ballers. And and they're a, they're a, you know, I think an interesting team overall. I love Nelson. And uh, Hudson, I need, I don't know what I'm looking at McKinney Boyd. You saw him last week. Anything to watch out for? Yeah, they have a senior running back that I think legitimately could get some FCS G5 looks. He was really good against a long view defense that was pretty salty. That's somebody to watch. Other than that, they had a sophomore tight end that was kind of intriguing. But really, it should be all about David Cabongo, Ashton, and, um, you know, Byron Nelson's QB, Jake Wilson, I think could be a senior riser. Yep, and then Friday, uh, I'll be joining Guy once again uh, to go to uh, – See South Oak Cliff for the second week in a row. And I think, not to reveal Hudson's schedule for next week, but I think there's a chance we see this show collectively see South Oak Cliff three weeks in a row. Um, but uh, we're going to see him against Lancaster. I needed to see Lancaster anyways. Uh, I did not expect to be in town this week. I really wanted to be out in Arizona seeing Steer Mitchell and Bergen Catholic take on Saguaro. Uh, unfortunately, the moving caused that not to happen, so – Without something pinned in, Guy and I just kind of looked at it and said, hey, why don't we go see him against Lancaster and see uh, kind of how that pins out. So uh, we've talked about the Sock guys a ton, Lancaster, of course, home to Corey and Gibson, um, and a few, like a couple of running backs that I think are, are big-time Lacey. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll have more from that on Friday night. Uh, why don't you guys go into your games while I go running at my charger? Uh, real quick, we've got – Thursday, Guy and I will both be going to Dangerfield Tatum. Nice little small school East Texas matchup. Texas commit Aaron Hampton is kind of the headliner there. But, you know, uh, Guy, if you want to hit on it quickly, Tatum and Dangerfield both have some kind of supplementary prospects that we're excited to see. Yeah, I believe um, – remind me on on Cole Waskum's actual name, is it? Yeah, Cole Watson, the quarterback yeah. – uh, that used to be at Wascom. So we used to call him Cole Wascom because his name was so sim- uh, similar. When Whitney Keeling left Wascom to head to Tatum, now we just kind of call him Cole Tatum. Cole Tatum. Really good, <laughs> it's, uh, it's such a cheap joke. <laughs> yeah, it is a cheap joke, but I love it. And then uh, Tatum also has Colin Fight, who I believe is an Arizona State commit. Um, I, I believe so. Yeah. And then also your boy, uh, Jacavian Rogers at Dangerfield is an intriguing one to watch as well, I believe, in the 24 class. Yeah, so Dangerfield's loaded with all sorts of guys ranging from FCS level types to um, all the way to, you know, Aaron Hampton types that are committed to Texas. But um, I touched on a lot of those guys a week ago. You've got DeCorian Wright, who's kind of a steady back in their backfield, um, probably a smaller school uh, type prospect, but a good high school football player nonetheless. You're keeping Rogers um, out of the 2024 class, as, as Hudson mentioned. Uh, C.J. Gilbert, another big, tall, rangy athlete that will play both ways for Dangerfield. Uh, someone to look out for in the 2023 class, I believe. Um, and then Chase Johnson, who 
played quarterback as a freshman a year ago for them and a little bit of defense as well. Um, is an interesting prospect going forward. Really good athlete. I don't, he's not a, you know, if he wants to play big time college football, he's not a quarterback at the next level, but um, out of necessity, that's what he does for Dangerfield at this point. Uh, so really excited to see just all those guys. I think it's a really fun East Texas football game and really excited to uh, kind of do my first road trip of the season with Holly Buddy. Hell yeah. Uh, you want to go your Friday game? Yeah. So Mike already mentioned that um, we'll, oh, be yeah, the, my bad. we'll be at the Chris Gilbert Bowl, as I'm touting it. Um, oh, as, that's a banger. Yeah. Yeah. I actually was was texting uh, Coach Gilbert. Uh, a little bit over an hour ago, or I guess two hours ago, right before we got on the show, I was kind of joking with him about that. Um, for those who don't know, Coach Gilbert is a sock grad, coached at sock in the mid-2000s, and then moved on to the Lancaster job after that. And, and now, as, as all of y'all know, um, he's he's in Austin on Texas' staff. But a lot of ties and a lot of fingerprints from Coach Gilbert on this game. And um, y'all know all about Sock at this point, but really excited to see Corey and Gibson play for Lancaster. He seems like a, a really good kid in my couple times coming across him in person. Uh, and he's obviously a really good prospect and someone that Texas is high on. So uh, Corian's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, Cor- Corian's awesome. Uh, so really excited to see him again in person. It's been a while. Um, and then as, as far as uh, Saturday – um, you know, I always throw my college game in the mix too. I'll, I'll be down in Austin for Texas's opener uh, against Louisiana Monroe. And like I said, if you see me, just look for the the one guy in the entire stadium wearing a Dion Beasley jersey. So yeah. I love it. Real quick, guys, since we're not going to have you on talking Texas football, and uh, Mike got his charger in time. Any just overall thoughts ahead of the season or against ULM? Obviously, I know that you're a big uh, Boogie Knight fan, uh, the wide receiver from ULM, but anything just on your mind? Yeah, uh, this ULM game has been on my schedule for a couple of years now because I actually um, was really good friends with the former ULM staff that's no longer there. Um, and one of my best friends from growing up here in Highland Park, Hunter Holmes, was the recruiting coordinator there and also worked with the specialists, uh, former D1 football player himself. And through that, I got to know some of his friends on the staff and, and still speak with a lot of those guys at their new ventures and new spots. So at the time, was really looking forward to this game, thought, OK, Hunter, Hunter and the boys are going to come to Austin. Uh, and obviously, a couple of years later, that's not the case anymore. But uh, there are a couple of players on that team. Uh, from some of those classes that Hunter helped bring in that maybe may make an impact at this point. It, it still may be a little early in their college career to see them at this point, but um, excited, excited for another season for Texas. Um, I've told Mike before, just give me eight or nine wins this year and I'm happy. Uh, just some sort of positive growth. You know, I, I've always tried to be a very steady Texas fan. It's been hard the last 10 to 12 years, but um you know, just give me eight, nine wins this year, and, and I'm good with that. I love it. My I Friday. Will, uh, I will actually be in the building on Saturday. I just Ah, that. yes, yes. So Mike will be joining me somewhat. Um, he's going to take uh, the other two tickets in my family season ticket little bundle that we have. 
Um, and so I guess Mike and I maybe will enjoy refreshment together down there. And it's always fun having Mike in the building with me. Yeah. So my wife told me today she wanted to have a little getaway because we haven't been able to spend a lot of time together through this period of moving. And I said, well, she said, well, maybe we go get a hotel room in Fort Worth or something like that. Um, and I said, well, you know, it's fine. I just have to watch the game on Saturday for work. And then she said, well, why don't we just go to the game? So uh, I called Guy. He's always my first ticket call because uh, I know they do have some family tickets. And uh, luckily he had two for me. So I think I'm going to make my way down there. That's fine. I think I'm going to introduce Kylie to Interstellar this weekend. I was going to ask what the food plans were, because if if y'all have time, I don't know. It, did you say you were leaving Saturday? We're going Saturday. We're probably not coming back till Monday with it being a long weekend. Okay, well then, absolutely. If, if you can, oh man, if, if you're in the Austin area, you're. I went to Texas. Obviously, everybody knows you're spoiled with a barbecue. But one of the newer spots, and they got a ton of acclaim in the new Texas Monthly barbecue rankings. But Interstellar lives up to the hype. Oh my god! Yeah, it's not a claim in the in the state of recruiting barbecue rankings. I'll say that after Hudson, I went there doing state track. I can't say I'll have that, but I do know I'm going to go to the chili parlor uh, pregame. So typical routine of mine and um, meet uh, another listener of the show. My my great uh, good old uncle Chip, who's not really my uncle, but a longtime family friend of my parents and myself. So Chip Flanagan, look forward to seeing you at the chili parlor on Saturday, my friend. Real quick, before we head out, my Friday game is Allen and Houston C.E. King. Extremely excited about that one. Probably going to be going with friend of the show and talking Texas uh, guest Kieran Hickey Simple. So, um, I don't know. I'm feeling pretty excited about that game just because I do think CE King has a real good uh, chance to pull the on paper upset. So, again, before we head out of there, it looks like we have the exact same picks except for I picked Atascacita. Uh, and Guy and Mike picked Katie. Uh, Guy and Mike, same picks across the board. Great minds. Just, just hey, this is where we, we make the comeback, right? You know, yeah. new week, uh, new week, now, new so, day. Look, so. I mean, separation in this thing is made week over week by one or two picks. It's not everybody having wildly different picks. So this is, you know, we'll look up at week five and see kind of where things are and who's, who's, who's where. So. Well, and despite being the reigning champ, I tried to warn y'all I'm not on my, my game right now. I just don't know as much. And y'all wanted to, you know, poo-poo me and, oh, he's just sandbagging. I think the result kind of proved me right. Uh, it's week one, guy. We're not really – DeSoto Judson principle. Okay. Yeah. Right. You were buzzing. I hope you're right. After, hope after right. getting on the show and being like, I don't know anything, I'm going to be awful, you were buzzing last week. Yeah, I think we were buzzing more tonight, but uh, I, I appreciate it. We're snapping it around for sure. All right. Anything else you guys want to add before we get out of here? Absolutely. I'm I'm happy as can be. All right. This is going to be another dang near two-hour podcast, at least over an hour and a half. Really? Uh, We are at – let's go to the clock. We're at one one hour, 41 minutes, and 10 seconds at this point. With ad breaks. Yeah, with ad breaks, it'll be another two or three minutes. Um, So let's get out of here. Uh, We appreciate you guys for listening. We appreciate you for following along. Uh, look for Talking Texas tomorrow on the Orange 24-7 Network podcast for Hudson Standish and Guy Frazier. I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week.
Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.